You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus. dot com slash acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. You're listening to Asking No Wall, broadcasting from beautiful South Germany. Except no substitutes. Hello, listener. Welcome back to an edition of Actung Lionesses. I'm your host Ryan Loftus, and with me, as always, is one Michael Avery. Michael, it's been a long time, it seems, in these uh, sporadic and strange days. How are you doing, mate? You, are you still keeping well? Yes, very well, thank you, Ryan. Um, it yeah has been a strange one, but um, very excited about today's guest. It'll be a lovely trip down memory lane, and um, personally, someone we've been trying to get on for a show for a while. So I'll let you uh, carry on with the introduction. Yeah, with that, I think it's a it's a good insight to who we've got. We've got um, former Millwall Lionesses manager, current head coach of London Bees, Lee Birch. Um, Lee, thanks for coming on. It's been like Michael said, it's been uh, exciting to, to actually get you on and and yeah, look back at your time at Lionesses and and talk about the women's game a bit in general. Um, how are you doing? How has lockdown been for yourself? Yeah, it's been okay. Cheers for having having me on, and I think it's um, great that. You know these podcasts and everything are continuing to go and continuing to try to keep everyone informed. And I've done a few recently and, and over time, and it's it's great to have an opportunity to sit down and, and, and chat about the game and, and chat about old times. So, no, it's uh, thanks for thanks for having me. Lockdown's been I think the same as everybody else. I'm looking forward. The kids are going back to school next week, so it's going to be a bit quiet around the house. And uh, yeah. Apart from that, it's it, it, we feel like maybe we're getting somewhere. Yeah, definitely. I think to start, we'll start a similar way to how we start when we have most of our guests on. If you can um, give the listeners a bit of background about yourself and maybe how you came to join the Lionesses and and what led to you know coming to the club and first impressions really of yeah, I mean uh, the way it sort of come around was I was in the the, the men's non-league game and um, I actually broke my leg playing for the for the team and I was coaching and and managing this one of the sides and, and I broke my leg in a in a reserve game. So I was healing from that. And whilst I was sort of healing was the first time I kind of had a look around for other jobs and maybe what to do next. And so I was working full time for the football association at the time as well. And the uh the Mill Linus's job sort of sprung up. Um and I, I half knew a couple of people at the club through through the FA. Um, sort of reached out and sort of said, you know, what's the situation with with the division, with training? And, and it sort of in, intrigued me. I knew I was going to leave the, the men's non-league side. Um, and I sort of did some research into, into, the, into the division. And I, I had, an, had one eye on the women's game still because 
I used to be a, a centre of excellence coach at Southampton. So um, there was a lot of players that I worked with that had gone on to do very well to play in the WSL, to play it in, in the WSL2 as it was then and play internationally and kind of just kept in touch with them via social media. So I'd had one eye on the women's game and yeah, when I saw the Millwall job come up, I, I applied for it as normal and, you know, because I had the background within the women's game, even though it had maybe not been in the, the, the top end, a lot of the players that I'd worked with were, were, were making their name. And I went along to watch a game, actually. When I went along to watch Millwall play against Bristol City, who were who won the league that year. Uh, no, sorry, they come second to Yeovil that year, but we're, we're going for the title. Um, and one of the girls at Bristol was Millie Farrow. And um, she scored and set a goal up. And, you know, I'd worked with Millie, you know, and I sat there talking to her, catching up with her. And, um, and I think... It went, it went sort of naturally from that. I went into an interview process where I could speak about the development I'd had with the, with the players and spoke about initially probably just coming in to see it to the end of the season because I live in Southampton, so it was a bit of a travel. Just making sure it fit for all and it just it just felt natural and, and sort of fitted in straight away. And when I come along, I think I just I, I think I just enjoyed the group dynamics very quickly. There was a lot of players there that cared about football, cared about the club, cared about each other and just needed a bit of a different direction. And there were some very good players there that, you know, they, were, they weren't in the best place. I don't think they'd won since the beginning of the season. Took over against Bristol, as funny as it was, the other league game. We lost 2-1 at the Den, which was great. Um, as far as, you know, managing at the Den and stuff. And we, we, we took Bristol real close. Then we had an international break before we played and beat Watford. And then it kind of went on from there. So... Yeah, went through the natural process and, uh, yeah, come around because uh, of, of a bad injury, really, um, got, taking taking the time to come back into the, the game. No, excellent, Lee. And like, like you say, every cloud, you know, has that silver lining, doesn't it? So, um, you like you, you say about how you came on an interim basis, you, you, you took over from Lauren, uh, Lauren Phillips, who was in that interim role, didn't you? And you sort of like kept that sort of management team together. And from someone who personally, you know, I actually went to watch the Lionesses uh, for, for quite a while before we, we got involved in, in, in a capacity. And, um, you know, I used to love going down there on a Sunday and watch, watching the teams play. And you could tell just how well um, um, you and Lauren were, were, work, were working together. You know, you really bounced off each other. Well, you had some great ideas. So what, what was it like for you both at the beginning of, of your tenure? You talk about your... You talk about like the games where you was unlucky and giving the girls some direction. What, what exactly did you mean by that? Could you see that there was like raw talent, or or they may not have been playing to their potential? Yeah, well, I, th I think as I come in, I, I saw a group of players that had maybe not, you know, not been given the opportunity. There was a few key players, the likes of Lee Nickel and uh, Jordan Butler, who come back from injury, and Amber Gaylor, and that that weren't playing. And there were some other players that were playing that. I kind of felt maybe he'd taken advantage of those games had been given and maybe not not performed. So I decided to give a few new players a bit more of an opportunity. And, and to be fair to them, they, they took it. We we changed the formation. We we went to a um, after that first season. We started off as a, a bit of a four four two at the Den because the pitch was was quite big, especially for for female players and a lot of the other grounds we went to. We we felt a four four two two banks of forward cover as much ground as possible at the Den. And it, and it seemed to work. And then we went to a back three beyond that. But so we changed a few players' positions around and, and gave them a little bit of a lease of life. I, I felt that the game is very close to, to the men's non-league game as far as what the players give up to do it. 
you know, especially in that that division. Yeah. A lot of players travel a long way for little little financial um, return. And I added a little bit of that and, and tried to just play very much off of the, the the group mentality and certainly tried to use the 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 Millwall side of things, you know, the the, the no one likes us and and you know and everything that, that the club brings to it and make sure it was a siege mentality. And I think the girls bought into that. You know, I, I went along to watch it was a pre-season game. I can't remember they played. We we played straight after the men's side played a pre-season game and uh, I watched the game first and I got a feel for for being around the crowd and what what it meant to be in a Millwall crowd and I just tried to take as much as I could of that and, and put it into the girls and you know use the badge use the den you know when people turn up at Millwall they they know what they're going to get and that doesn't matter whether you're playing against the men's side the women's side or the under 10s you know you should get a certain a certain type of person that's playing for the badge and the girls did that Brilliantly. No, excellent, excellent. And and as we, we said uh, before the recording, and, and we'll touch on it a, a bit later on um, about that sort of morale um, and what you've got, and and some of the players you, you listed a couple there, but we'll we'll go into some and, and how their careers have gone on. But you interestingly actually spoke about the pitch, and that was actually one of our questions there. So you know, you say you managed the size at the den, you had the four four two, but then you actually moved over to St Paul's, and that became your regular your regular home home stadium, um, if you will, your home ground. And um, again, from when I used to watch, I remember you'd always play like a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2. So how how different was was the two the, the two stadiums? Did do you feel the move to St Paul's, even though it was a, a smaller, a smaller ground, it's like, you know, a bit more sort of humble in speech marks, if you will, than than a stadium. Did you feel that was actually the right move for the club? Yeah, I think so. I think it gave us a bit of a base because we got to train there as well. So train and playing on training and playing on your your pitches is great because you know we'd train it down at Dartford, then we'd play at the Den, and the, the pitch dimensions were different. So you know those little those little half a yards you talk about and, and not here and not there at training to what they are on game day. So that was really good to make the girls feel really comfortable at St Paul's. And you know when you had you know we would get you know a couple of hundred people watching. You know. You have three, four hundred people watching at Den. It doesn't feel like many. You have three, four hundred people watching at St Paul's. The place is packed and rammed, and it's a great feeling. And we we had that many times, so that was good. Um, and I think the other main thing was people, other teams loved playing at the Den, so they'd turn up and, yeah. and they, they, of course, they're, they're playing at a, a championship ground. They're, you can see they go out and they're looking around. The pitch is brilliant. Change rooms are great, and they're looking around playing this big stadium, and they're buzzing for it. So I always kind of felt like, you know, teams enjoyed coming there and, and, and because of the because of the occasion of it. And we had to very quickly try to try to stamp that out of them. So yeah, I think it was a it was a good move. The club were, were always pretty good as far as accommodating us when we were there. They, they were great and we still used the, the the den for like end of season facilities and things like that. So so we still had a, a bit of a link. But yeah, I think the St. Paul's was was a good move. But before we started recording, we were chatting a bit about the looking back and, and you know reminiscing and, and necessarily not realizing the good times when you're in them but coming back and and really relishing you know the experiences you had Mike obviously mentioned the the squads you had and the players you brought through and that that togetherness you generated but I don't know Michael mentioned that you can see it still to this day on, on social media sometimes people posting things about their their time at Millwall and and the mentality and the, the 
the commitment they had to the club then and, and that still runs through them. What was, um, you know, your, your main ethos really as a manager, as, as a Millwall manager as well? And, you know, did that contribute to, you know, the, the success you had at the club, the, the unbeaten run you had, obviously, in the, the WSL2 and, and the good times you had there? Yeah, I think so. I think there was a, a good group of, of players there that were quite knit um, together, but there was maybe a, a, a few players in between that group that weren't maybe pulling in the same direction. So quite quickly they moved on and really we, we kind of wanted everyone to row in the same direction. And once that happened, it just made everyone else tighter. Um, we were able to bring in some very good players, but, you know, get the best out of the group that we did have there. We, we brought a few in that that did a, a job to a certain degree, um, did well, um, and then moved on. Um, we had other players that come in, it didn't quite work out on that, they moved on. But And then we obviously had the people like Rihanna Dean and, and Charlie Devlin that come in and, and blew out the water. So you had to get that good mix. And when we did add, add players, they were coming into a group knowing what it was all about. I remember when Megan Alexander signed for us she'd already had the conversation with Lee Nichol around what the club had meant and she was leaving Bristol and I think Lee Nichol sold her the club before I even spoke to Meg so it was it was great and the the players carried that with them and we had an excellent captain in Ashley Hinks who who drove that as a, as a captain and we had the, the players around that Jordan Butler etc and I'll go through them all they just lived and breathed it Leanne Cowans that have been at the club for years and were just pleased to see things go in the right direction for the club and when you win games of football, everything else seems better. And that and that was what we what we did quite once once we got to start winning games, it just clicked in and we just kept that that rolling. And I did a lot of work on the social element about keeping the group together, making sure they enjoyed enjoyed training up to training. That was the main thing and enjoyed playing games. Like they traveled so far, and I wanted them to turn up and enjoy their training, enjoy playing the games, enjoy being in the change room with each other, enjoy celebrating game wins afterwards um, and trying to make everyone leave with, with a smile on their face. And, and as you said there, there's a lot of stuff that have, you know, social media where the girls will pipe up and, and will look back on their, their time. And I've kind of described it as a bit of lightning in a bottle. You know, we managed to catch that and, and it's, it's very hard to do so. And it, it will always be a little bit of a sticking point. It was a shame we didn't get to go and push on with that group because I think if we had that team in WSL now, I, I think you'd have a very good side in there, let alone in the championship. So it's great to see the players go on and do well. Um, but it's great that they look back on their time and whether for some of them it was a very small part of their journey. You know, Rihanna Dean, for example, that's come out and, and, and did one season, hopefully looks back on a, a, a great learning experience for her coming from development football or whether it was, you know, the Bonnie Horwoods and the George Giddings of the world who were, you know, in their in their prime and, and were playing excellently and they've used it to con kick themselves on and continue playing at a, a very high level. So, as well as lots of friendships and and, and links made, and it's it, it's great that I can catch up with these players. And when we left, they spread all over the country. So quite a few of them are now scored past me. You know, it's a bit upsetting when the likes of Charlie have, have, have done that, you know, I have to remind her, you know, but it's all, it's all good. It's, it's great to see these players go on. And yeah, it was really about working on the social side of things because they were already good players. Yeah. And, and the thing is, Lee, like you, you listed some players there and, and, and we, we actually run down to some of the questions. It seems like you've actually seen these before we've, um, <laughs> we've, we've asked you them really, you know, but, but, you know, you say about playing for the badge, and, and I always remember as well, like like Megan Wynn was another player who, you know, she's at Bristol City now. She had a spell at Tottenham. Leanne Rope, who 
who was phenomenal yeah. in, your, in that last season. I, I remember Arsenal away in the FA Cup where she was just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, Amber, as you say, Bonnie, uh, Georgie Giddens. I, I, I mean, I, it, people might say I had the blue tinted glasses on that season, but Sarah, who, who you had at London Beach with you, she was arguably the best keeper in the league um, that year still, as well, wasn't she? Still is yeah, for me. she's an incredible, incredible goalkeeper. You, you'd see saves that she does, and I know it sounds slightly cliche, but you'd see some saves that she'd call off that that you you wouldn't even probably see in men's non-league football. She, she was outstanding, but also also players like Ella Rutherford. You know, she was just coming through and, and breaking into the side when you were there. You know, she went on to WSL, and now she's very established in the championship. But as, as you say, and and it, and it was a shame as, as a Millwall fan because I'll say this as a fan rather than supporters club or media or whatever like this, but with a fan's head on, you're right. You looked at that side and you'd think this is an incredible football team. You know, they yeah. knock the ball around well. They play, they play some nice football. They give their all. Like like you mentioned Leanne Cowan there. I, I know towards the, the end of that, your last year there, Leanne spent quite a lot of time on the bench, didn't she? Or she was quite a rotated player, but you wouldn't know that from her, would you? She was really involved in the project, really involved in what you were trying to do. Um, how does it feel now when you see these players? I know, like you say, they might have scored against you, but as as we were saying, you, like um, l- like some of these players in the WSL, like Liam Rowe, do you look and think, you know, like we we helped we helped her on her way? Do you feel a sense of pride with that? Hundred percent. It's it's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, sort of enjoying. I say, if any player that I've worked with is not playing with me, I hope it's because they go on and, you know, do what the likes of Roby have done. You know, I speak to Roby all the time. You know, I. I I keep in contact with these players quite a bit. You know, I tried to sign Leanne to Yeovil. Um, I think she was going to come. She was, she was, she was ready to come and join me at Yeovil. But then Liverpool come for her, and she rung me up and said, "Look, I've got some bad news. You know, Liverpool have offered me a two-year deal." And I was like, "Mate, that's only bad news for me. That's great for you." I was like, generally buzzing, and she's been brilliant. She should be back in the the WSL for me, and I know she, I know she will be. And it's great to see her, seeing Winnie and, and do well as well as. It's just so good, and it's obviously gutting at the moment. Say when he coming back from an injury, Rihanna Dean. I'd see a lot around because Tottenham were training at the Hive when I was with Bees. Obviously, I had a few players come back with me at Bees, a few players at Yeovil. So I've generally kept in contact with, with with a lot of them, and even when you see the likes of Grace Neville and Lucy Fitzgerald who are playing for London City, they were young players coming through um, as well. So it's good to see even some of the development girls. A lot of them at Kent Football United and. And that they're they're all doing so well, and it, it, it's it's great. And you know, Ella Rutherford is another one. It's just you know, I've tried to, I've tried to sign most of these players as well. You know, in the meantime, and it's 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 tough when you maybe can't afford them, or, or or they have to make decisions for themselves. And and that's 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 part and parcel of football. But I certainly try to keep in touch with them. And you said about Leanne there. You know, I speak to Leanne quite a, quite a bit here and there. You know, around their injuries and stuff. And yeah, I mean, she, we were we were playing wing backs at the time, and we had Megan Wynn and Megan Alexander and Leanne Cowan because Cowan was a bit different to the other two. She could play on both sides. Um, mm, yeah, that's and, right. And then yeah, and them three would be. I mean, it was just easy to pick. If one of them was missing, the other one played. It was just I was very lucky with that quality, and it was even the players, the likes of Vicky Watton and people like that that weren't playing loads. But just Vicky was so important to the squad. I, I think people. When you have a squad of and a group of players, your key ones can sometimes be those ones that don't play. And Vicky didn't play a lot of football, but when she did, she gave everything. And she 
loved being around the group and she added so much to the team in and around the changing room you know with her personality the way she come across and it's worth your weight in gold to have some people like that around the team that is always bubbly always happy and guess what when you call upon them they do a great job and it, it, sometimes it's hard as a manager when you want to play these players more and you, you can't you can't give them because you've got a back three and you've got the likes of Meg Alexander and you know, Leanne Robe and Jordan Butler and Billy Brooks was unbelievable. George, you know, it's the team was so hard to pick. You know, we mentioned the likes of Ellie Mason and stuff that come in. So, yeah, the, the squad was was full of full of top players, full of full of good people, lots of competition. Um, we ended up playing, as you, you sort of mentioned, a three four. It was like a three four two one with a box midfield, um, uh, with the two tens, the Charlie Amber Gaylor or or uh, Ella Rutherford playing off of Ash Hinks or Rihanna Dick. Like, to be honest, it was it was quite easy to watch them, just sit back and watch them play. And we had some great games against the likes of Durham and Donny Bells and where the girls could play football, but they could also mix it. Um, and we ended up probably having a bit more of a rivalry with someone like Durham because they were very much like us and someone and a team I respect massively because of our battles with them. You know, it's probably the, 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 the longest away derby I've ever... I've ever had because it felt like a London derby with Durham, but they were miles away. So, no, it was yeah. great time, yeah. great times, and it's really good to see these players. And they're they're not done yet. They are not done yet. They're still going to go and kick on. They've still got lots more in them. And even someone like Grace Fisk getting called up for England. I only worked with Grace for a very small amount of time when I first joined because she went to America. But it's great to see her. Rin, Rin's, you know, as well as. You know, it looks like she's probably leaving Liverpool, but, you know, seeing her getting called up. And again, I only worked with her for a small amount of time, but it's great to see these players continue their journeys and not just play WSL football, but internationally. They got a, we, If I played a small part in that, we played a small part in that, then, then I can sit back with pride. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And, and, and the thing was, the thing was as well, Lee, it wasn't just that, you, you know, you, you see some of these sort of players and there's that sort of togetherness, as you say, and sometimes with some players, they're, they're not 
not shy or, or, or don't want to come across rude or anything like that, but like they don't seem very connected to the fans, do they? Or there's a bit of a gap. But I always remember the, the, the season after, you know, when when those sides broke up and we, we worked in the media team in the championship um, uh, before we, before we um, decided to, you know, go in our own direction and, and restart further down the league. But I always remember as well that all those old players who played for Millwall, so like, you know, when, when Millwall played Tottenham away, Rihanna and Megan would always come over to, to like me and the media team and say hello because they remembered what they were. And I thought that was a really good show of their character. But one yeah. thing I want to touch on is um, is that that last season for you at Millwall before you went on to Yeovil, it, it, it was quite tough off the field, obviously. Um, we won't go into too much detail as, as to why, but we know about the uh, the just giving appeal that the Millwall fans donated to. And um, and you probably remember that, that Aston Villa game shortly after. I mean, the atmosphere was electric, wasn't it? When, when the cameras were down from Sky, everyone was there. Leanne obviously scored late on, didn't she? But um, what how, how was it for you? Because considering what was happening off the field, how you kept everything together and going and, and everyone sort of the morale high, how, 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 how did you manage to do it? And, and and what was running through your mind at the time? Yeah, I mean, I think it all happened very quickly. You say about going into details, you know, it, it, it was pulled. I was pulled into a meeting. I was called Sunday night to be called into a meeting Monday to be told by Monday lunch that potentially the club wasn't going to continue. So it all happened very quickly. And we, as I say, we had the Aston Villa game on the Wednesday. So you know, it wasn't like we had we saw anything coming. Um, I think the the big thing was timing was was good as far as we were on such a good run. So it was it enabled everyone to keep going. And that was the big thing for me is I think everyone was on a high and I think everyone just wanted to continue because we were going for the league title. You know, we'd been deducted three points from an, for an early game, but we were still very much within the title. We were on a run. Um, we'd obviously been on the long run and the girls just wanted to keep going. Um, it did it did cause problems and fractures because people were, were losing out on money and it was starting to cost them a bit more for traveling etc um but we just kind of banded together and just kept going and the Aston Villa game will sit for me as, as one of the massive highlights in my football career playing managing coaching whatever because we hit that target from the fans literally as we were you know lining up someone literally got their phone out and said we've hit the target and and that was enough we knew that we could complete the season you know, we still needed more to for Vinger, but we but that meant we could complete the season and and the feeling to go out and it was almost like a cup final. And then to win the game in the last minute from the halfway line, um, with Roby's, especially we had the unbeaten and it was Ebony Salmon who what a player she is. She scored with about ten minutes to go and we managed to go at the other end and Rihanna scored straight away. And to to be one nil down with ten minutes to go, thinking, oh, this is it, this is it going, and then to come back and win two one. It was like a cup final. I mean, it's as close to the cup final as we got. It probably, it probably peaked us too much because after that we never quite recovered because I think the 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 normality of the situation settled in. Um, but you know, girls were in tears after winning the league game. You know, because it just meant more than that, and we just were able to to kick on. We went away to a couple of tough tough teams that that stopped our run, but we were right the way in it to the end of the season, and we managed to finish on a high that year away to Brighton beat. And then I think 3 0, you know, Boynton were a good side and managed to do the double over yeah. them. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it was that Aston Villa yeah. game when Roby put the point here. I was just, yeah, I've, it was cup final, yeah. cup final field. Yeah, real good. I just, I just, I just remember, um, 
I remember it going in and I just remember the whole place just exploded in it. The, the noise levels were, it sounded a lot more like there was a couple of hundred people there. You had, you had like Jeff Burnage, the old former CEO yes. running around yeah. and celebrating as well. You know, it was, it was, it was a good time and, and sky cameras were there as well. So yeah, that, told, that, that, that's, told, that's the game I remember. I did tell Roby to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. She was right. She was right in front of me. And um, we'd already spoke about the goalkeeper, maybe not dropping, maybe dropping things. And I just said, mm. put it on top of the goalkeeper. She won't hold it. Um, and she hit it as sweet as she, she ever could done. And it's, it's funny as well, because about of all the player, you know, she, she was, she epitomised everything that we were about. And I think that was uh, our, her only goal for us, but you know, what a time to score it. So, you know, she certainly epitomised everything we were going through at that time. So yeah, I'm taking the assist on that one. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, one thing you can claim is um, your Manager of the Year award that you won while managing Millwall, obviously, for the WSL2. For you, is that a, a particular high point, maybe in your career, that, that personal recognition of what you were doing at the time? And, you know, how, how much did it mean to, to win that award for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, and it still does mean, it's kind of like, we, we obviously didn't get any trophies, we, you know, we didn't have a cup run or anything like, like that. We didn't win a cup or, or win the league that year. So for me, that, that trophy was was very much about everyone saying, look, that whilst it's sat in my, you know, on my shelf at home and it's very much take place, pride of place, it should take pride of place for everybody that was involved because it, it showed that everybody recognised what we did. You know, it really was. And, and, I, and I found it's, it's massive, massive pride for me. I mean, to be up there the LMA night, you know, and sharing the same stage as the likes of Pep Guardiola and stuff was great. And, um, yeah, certainly enjoyed it. I've won a couple of uh, Manager of the Month since and things and, and that, and, and, and it's great to do that. But yeah, that Manager of the Year was 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 great to take home, but it very much is a, a collective accolade, even though I'm the lucky one that gets to gets to look at it every now and again. And um, it's a bit of a nightmare to polish, to be honest. I don't know what it's made with, but apart from that, it's all good. <laughs> I think there's worse problems to have than uh, how to polish the award, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Achtung, Mehlwald. So what we'll do is we'll just quickly, I know this is sort of like a Millwall retrospective, but we'll just talk about obviously when you left Millwall and you went and you went on to Yeovil Yo Tan in the WSL. Now, um, you know, you'd managed Millwall in the, in the Conti Cup, where everyone that clip of Ella scoring that goal. And as I mentioned earlier on about the FA Cup game um, in against Arsenal um, at, at Boreham Woods ground uh, in that season before, but what, what was the step up for you? I know you say like the, the players that you had, if you'd have managed to keep them all together and all, um, you know, things had obviously gone right, they would have been a real force up in that division. But what was it like playing these teams on a like a regular league week week by week or fixture by fixture basis, if you will, compared to like competitions where they may rest some players here or there, or um, or you know maybe try different tactics and everything like that. So you could potentially may not have got their full strength and and also as well before before I let you answer um obviously your time at Yeovil yes um finished bottom of WSL but you and the team got a lot of plaudits for how you sort of obviously revolutionized things down there you know you've got that win when Meg Alexander scored that that fantastic long range effort to win one nil so, so yes yeah, so just what was it like yeah I think that you know when when we sort of come to the end at Millwall we we didn't know what was going to happen. That was that was the the thing. There was big question marks, and obviously, it was great that the club did did continue. But it was very late in the day, and during that time, I, I got an offer to go and become a full time manager in the WSL. And at the same time, actually, well, I got made redundant by the FA. 
So the timing for me personally was 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 great to be able to go into another job. And we didn't want to leave Millwall because we, we loved it there, but we, we didn't even know if the club was going to keep going. You know, we felt that was way. And I think the girls had, uh, you know, a few of the girls had decided that they were going to look to move on and, 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 and it was it was a shame, you know. It was it was tough. It was because we also didn't get a chance really to properly say goodbye. But maybe that was a good thing because we we managed to finish. There's a great photo out there around the Brighton game. We're all sat together, and uh, you know it, that was probably the perfect time to to finish. We had a few good nights out and things like that. You know, prior to that, so it, we we probably finished it in the right way. And then yeah, I got the opportunity to go to Yeovil, and as you said about the the Millwall games against Arsenal, I mean we did it twice because in the Conti Cup it was two all till very late, um, and that's what I think about that group that they had enough about them to compete in that division. And you would have obviously had to uh, added a few players, but you would have been able to do that, and and that would always you know uh, upset me a little bit that we just didn't get that opportunity because it was the licensing. If any other year we probably would have been able to 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 kick on, finish second, hopefully, and uh, and have done that, but that was taken out. Um, quite early doors so the girls knew they weren't going to go up that season no matter what even if we won the league you know because they couldn't turn professional so having the opportunity to go to Yeovil was, was great and I, I loved it at the club obviously I, I took a few players down there you know I'll be honest I tried to take more you know there was quite yeah. a few of the, the Millwall yeah. girls I spoke to and you know I had a few in tears because they couldn't do it because their careers and the money we were offering them just wasn't wasn't enough um, to do it Um and it was it was brilliant. I mean, it was hard to to play as you say. You play those top sides, but apart from Chelsea, who just they were like a bit of a kryptonite. You just couldn't get a hand on them no matter what. But Man, Man City, we lost four nil first game, lost two one the second game. Uh, Arsenal, we lost seven nil. This is when they beat Reading six nil and Chelsea five nil. So you know that was normal. We lost seven nil, but yeah, then we lost three nil. Yeah, I mean they were a joke. Then we lost three nil. So you know we showed we got better. In, even against those top sides, but it really was, as you said there, we, people sort of saw that, apart from West Ham beat us quite comfortably once, but we we, we, we lost at home, away, sorry, 2-1 to them. And it was just the fact that we were in and involved in in 80% of games. Um, you know, we were never going to stay up because we got a result against Chelsea. We needed to get the result against the Brightons and that of the world and the Evertons that we did. And unfortunately, it was 2-2-1 losses against Liverpool very late on that really... Um, you know, sent us down because we went into that 10 point deduction and we still had a chance. Um, and that obviously did relegate us. And it felt like lightning striking twice with the, the finances and maybe striking a third time with, with beads. Now, unfortunately it's, it's, it's hard with, with, with the financial climate because as the game moves forward, it means that some teams are, you know, going to get left behind. And it was, it was great to play yeah. them, them, them sides week in, week out. But, you went into a run of fixtures when you may be playing Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea in a, three games in a row. And you're kind of looking at it going, you know what, the, the quality they just have. And I think they relax a bit more on a, on a, on a league game. You know, where, where's a cup game and Millwall come into town and say maybe they've rotated it and they feel a little bit more sort of, you know, on edge. In the league games, they just relax and play their, their own game. And once they get a footing in the game, it's very, very hard to... Uh, to beat these sides and the quality they would have to come off the bench as well was just just top top yeah. notch and uh, over we just didn't have enough money and probably a big enough squad I think that was probably the big thing we were we were probably two or three players away um, 
from from competing where we where we needed to be. You know, maybe if we'd taken a, a Rihanna Dean and a you know a Lee Nichol down down there or got, got hold of a Megan, you know, if you'd added two or three of them, maybe from the Millwall group to add to it, um, or a few others that we tried to sign. Um, you know, we tried to sign out. Yeah, to, to um, yeah, to to enforce that core a bit more, if you will. Yeah, and, and just adding that bit of quality, really, that that real yeah. bit of quality. You know, I, I tell you what, I had a good side in the building. You know, who I spoke to. <laughs> mm. You know, we had we had, a, we had a good conversation with a very good, but we lost out on on quite a few of them because of mainly because of finances. They come to us, and 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 Yeovil, unfortunately just didn't have the money in the in the first place to to get a couple of big players over the line. So, um, but yeah, brilliant, loved it, loved it. Different. Very different to Millwall because of the West Country and a bit of a different drive as well, going past tractors rather than the, the London traffic. Yeah, I bet it was a, a big culture shock going down there. Uh, you, uh, you mentioned a few things that were uh, quite interesting. Obviously, most of the listeners will have, have some idea of the women's game. Some won't have a great idea, but you mentioned a few things. Obviously, you've been in, been in the women's game quite a long time with a good experience at a few different clubs. And obviously, the, the restructure over the last few years has maybe a bit, of, a bit turbulent and, and seen some clubs, obviously, you know, Doncaster Bells and long-standing women's teams kind of fall by the wayside. And and like you mentioned, obviously, Yeovil, where you're previously at, have gone on, on a slide since, just not maybe competing with, with some of the, the more traditional men's clubs that are now funding their women's sides a bit more. You know, you look at Spurs, United, Everton, sides like that, that are maybe seeing the, the women's game as a bit more of an opportunity. How has that been, obviously... For someone in the game and someone who's been managing through that, how has it changed quite dramatically in, in the last few years? How has it been for, for you as, as someone at the centre of it? Yeah, I think it's great in the, the sense that I think the game is moving forward. You know, there's more opportunities, more and more professional sides. Um, you know, I think about when we play West Ham in a friendly at Millwall and we beat them like 9-1, something like that. You know, you fast forward three years later and West Ham are in the FA Cup final. So it's it's very interesting how quickly you can see how teams can can grow and can push, especially if they've got the backing of the, of, of their men's side, Leicester City, another one that have obviously done great. And it has meant, as you mentioned, Doncaster Bells, the Sunderlands, I mean, even Watford, it's happened in Millwall, you know, these teams that have maybe ha had to take a step backwards and it happened again at Yeovil when it's, I've always said the cream will, will rise to the top. And if you back your, your club and you, you give opportunity to good managers like Tottenham did it with Juan and Karen Hills, they will get there eventually anyway through through quality. You know, Tottenham went up because they come second in the division, you know, not because of, you know, licensing and things like that, whereas other teams, uh, you know, got up that way. But Brighton had a very good side that year as well. So I think these teams would get there anyway. Um, it just is hard. And for me personally, obviously, I've now been at, you know, three clubs that, are at the bottom end of the schedule. And I would probably say I've had the weakest budget in, in both divisions and uh, three, three of clubs, you know, it, you know, or certainly down the bottom end and resources and finances is, is becoming more and more tougher because agents are involved, more money's involved, more professionalism. You, you're speaking to players about contracts and things and it, it becomes hard and facilities for training. So it's great. For me personally, and some of the players I work with, you know, I feel sorry for the likes of Bonnie and, and Meg that have followed me around a little bit and I've had to deal with this a couple of times. But, you know, some of these girls, Megan Walsh, my goalkeeper at Yeovil, had, had been through it at Notts County and obviously what happened with them. So, yeah, it's happened quite, quite a few times. 
Um, hopefully it's going to sort of stop a little bit. I think there'll probably be a new licensing coming at the end of this year with COVID. I think there needs to be some teams that get the opportunity to push up. The FA need to restructure it. And yeah, I, I think for me, I, I'm kind of hoping that the next club I'm at, um, I'm at one with, with the resources that can push on and give me a bit of more of a, a platform to really do what I can do. I, I think I've done well at the clubs I've been at, but I, I can still do so much more. I can still do so much more. I can still be a better manager. Um, and I think it's just trying to get into that right environment with the right backing. Because if you get that, you you know, look look what you can do and you've seen what some clubs have done. And it's a shame that, as I say, certain, certain clubs haven't been able to do that or haven't wanted to do that. And uh, it's, uh, but yeah, it's going in the right place. It's going in the right way. Um, and, it, and, and it'd be interesting to see some of those clubs that didn't do it before, whether they do do it in the future. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I think from from the outside as a spectator, you know, we're used to the on the men's side of the game, the the long standing structure of the the pyramid and and you know the, the the ways English football has always been. It's interesting seeing the women's game that was growing so so quickly and you know getting more interest and and more financial backing develop and. And then obviously COVID hits and, and throws a spanner in the works with that. With some of some of the teams, you've got maybe the haves and have-nots now in the in the WSL, the you know the likes of City and Chelsea and and Arsenal right at the top who have a lot of wealth, a lot of resources, and then other teams maybe in the same league down the bottom who might be struggling a bit. But one one thing I wanted to to ask about as well, obviously as a as a manager of of, of women's teams, obviously there was there was an interesting link. A little, uh, maybe a month or so ago now, of Emma Hayes being linked with the um, the, the AFC Wimbledon job when they had uh, had had the opportunity there. I don't, I don't think they ever formally approached her, but it did get thrown about a little bit. And Emma spoke really well about it, about how her achievements in the game. Someone who's you know one of the best managers of a of a football side really in in England for for a long time, not necessarily getting the respect that she deserves because she's managing in the women's league. Obviously, as a as a manager. Of, of women's teams yourselves how, how do you feel it, it translates and across across the game do you think obviously I think Emma would would say she doesn't but do, do you think you get the credit you might deserve and and do you think that will there will come a time where managers can just switch between the two yeah I hope so I hope there will be a, be a time because I think it's it's the same for me as youth football you know if you've got a youth coach that's working with an under 18 side you know and then all of a sudden he or she gets the, the opportunity to jump up into first team football it's it's this, it's it's a different game. It's a different version of the game, you know. And there's big similarities between youth football, women's football, and men's football. But there's people don't look at the youth football jump and and see it as a problem. Whereas if they saw Emma Hayes come across, they, they'd they'd feel it. They'd feel it would be a, a be be an issue for some people. But at the end of the day, it's about managing. Is about dealing with players, dealing with people. And Emma's obviously doing that very well. She's a big squad there of top class talent she seems to keep them keep them all in a, a great place if you can do that and you can deal with people if she can deal with people and players and deal with all those problems that the players have got then she'd she'd be a great manager in the women in, in the men's game um and it should go vice versa and we've also seen you know coaches from the men's game come across to the women's game and do well or not do well so you know we should be kind of saying in our game well just because it works over there in the men's game, it might not work over here and vice versa, but mm. it also does work well. Neil Redfern has been, been excellent in the women's game and was also a good you know, manager in the men's game. So it's, 
yeah, I, I think it's getting there. I think there will be a jump eventually from someone. Uh, uh, so I don't see it being Emma personally because I think, as she said, why would you why would you want to leave Chelsea Football Club? I mean, where is her next step? You know, yeah. I, I really don't know. It's the England job. I I don't know where she would go. I mean, and if she did go across into the men's game, hmm. she would have to get it right straight away. If she, you know, imagine if she went in and lost the first four or five games. Yeah, she'd be sacked straight away. So why would she yeah. want to move? Unless she could go into a top championship or maybe even the Premier League, would you want to go into the League Two and then go and work in the League One, League Two side? And 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 everyone's waiting for her to fail as well, which yeah. is unfair. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I can't see Emma leaving leaving Chelsea for for many years to come. Um, I don't, you know, she she's she's done a great great job there and got them into a brilliant brilliant position and what a club to work at, what a club to, to, to be in and around. So unless she manages, fancy managing going abroad, but obviously she's got a young family and these are all the things you've got to take into consideration. You know, I'd love to work abroad at one point, you know, it's probably on my bucket list to go and have a, have a go over there. Um, but I've got to wait till my family are a bit older, you know? So when that happens, you know, if I got the opportunity, that might be something to do, but yeah, I think it's, it's a great question and it's, and people will say to me as well, you know, oh, they come to me and they go, well, you, you think you're going to go into the men's game now? You know, are you going to go across it? And I was like, why, why would I? I yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't not interest me because I would go across and I've worked over there and I'd have no problem working with male players. I was, a lot of my, my managerial stuff prior to coming into the women's game was with, with male players and new players and, I got no no problem, and I'd back myself tomorrow if I had to go and work with a, you know, side. But I'm also realistic. I want to manage in the the top top end of the game. I want to manage in the Champions League. I want to manage at these big clubs, and I've got more chance of being a manager at, you know, you know, say Emery's it going anywhere? But I've probably got more chance of being manager of Chelsea women than I have of being manager of uh, uh, Chelsea men. <laughs> so you know, it's the it's the way it is, and. It's, but you you want to be up there at the top top level of your game, and um, you know there's lo loads of loads more work to be done. But and the game's moving in the right way. It's um, it is. So we'll 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 wait and see what happens. I just hope the weather it does that goes across, um, really gets a good go at it and and, and does well because they'd have a lot of lot of responsibility on their shoulder, which is probably unfair. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It will be a massive, not necessarily burden, but you'll be carrying a. A, a torch for everyone to come really and like you say I think with the way that football could be so fickle I think they'd be quite quick to to cast someone aside if it didn't go well from the, the first from the first whistle really 100% yeah and and you know what Lee, Lee, um, you, you say about you know getting these these bigger jobs better opportunities and you just touched on there um, previously when you said you know you was at Millwall Yeovil um, and recently London Bees and you were saying about your budget but um, and the the sort of potential you you feel you have, and and someone like who's followed I've followed your career for the past few years everywhere you've gone, looked at your results, how you've gotten that kind of thing, and and obviously we we realise potential as well. But I want I want to close it something like slightly lighthearted, but also something that I actually thought was actually quite a nice thing thing for you um, personally. I mean, you may not have felt this way, but uh, as someone who followed your career, I, I was quite chuffed to read this. But Sophie Lawson, she backed you for the. Uh, England manager or, or said that you should at least be in consideration back in August 2020, didn't she? Um, she put an article together where your name your name was mentioned amongst some other people. So even though you say you you was lower than the, 
down the leagues. How did it feel when when there was an article saying, well, you know, if we want to give someone a go, Lee Birch wouldn't be a bad chat? Yeah, I mean, it was it was nice in a sense. You know, Sophie's very well thought of and very well rounded journalist. You know, she's she's very very knowledgeable, and to have someone like that saying something about you, you know, was 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 nice. And you know, it might not have been that many people agree with her, but you know, for someone to to come out and say that was, was nice. And I, I think it was also nice for not just myself, but maybe all the managers that are maybe not the ones that are normally banded around for those sort of jobs. Um, I think the way she she did it and the way she wrote the article was she didn't just throw it out there and she she gave some quite interesting reasons around what I've done and, uh, you know, and how it would link to the England job, talking about, you know, youth players and bringing players through and working within resources, work within moments. And it was nice to see that someone had maybe seen what what I had been able to do with limited um, resources and stuff I, I, you know, I'd, I'd been around. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was nice. I mean, it obviously hasn't gone where we want it to with, with bees this year after having a good season last year, but we kind of went back to normal. And I think, you know, the, the situation I ended up in with, with leaving was was really down to, you know, the, the whole situation around COVID and everything like that. And the clubs have been hit hard and it's, it's hard to sit back and watch the, that season sort of finish. But I think we're kind of, looking at it going with so many full-time clubs and so many clubs putting resources into their teams, it's really hard for these other teams to do it. And you've seen within the last six weeks, I think Coventry, Lewis, Charlton have all spoken about the resources going into their clubs, let alone the fact you've already got your Durham's and your, your Liverpool's, your Leicester's, your London cities that are pro and, and are pushing things on. Sheffield United's and Crystal Palace is a, a Premier League side's ready to go. So the championship as a division is, is, is going to be real tough. And there's some teams below that that are ready, ready to push on. So, yeah, I think it's nice that someone sort of recognised um, what I'd done and, and gave it some clear thought and, Hopefully someone else does and maybe gives me me another opportunity to say, try to find that lightning in a bottle again and, and continue what sort of career I've kind of tried to start. Well, Lee, we wish you all the best for the future. I'm sure as as football gets back to normal, I'm sure someone will <laughs> snap you back up as soon as they're, they're in need. I think uh, with with your experience, you, you won't be out of the game for long. But um, yeah, just want to say thank you for, for coming on. It was, it's been great to hear about you know, looking back at your time at Millwall and, and the good times that you had there and obviously looking forward to the future of not just you know, your own career, but the women's game as well. I think it's a really exciting time and it's been been great having you on, mate. Yeah, and I think I just sort of wrap up from me just to sort of say you did you mention a little bit about the the funding and I remember not only on the funding day, but we, we were around the ground fundraising and the Millwall fans around the group and around the ground, around the girls and they were just so much fun to work with and they were supporting us and the support was felt by that group so much and they, they really enjoyed it. And I know I've certainly, you know, Millwall sort of, I still look out for the, for the results, you know, from the men's side and women's side, I still keep an eye and, and, and I'm sort of a bit of a supporter now from afar and, you know, who knows if Neil, Neil Harris had managed to get that, that playoff, playoff spot and that playoff side and, they managed to go up. They could have been a Premier League side and given us loads of money and we could have given it a go, but it's all ifs and buts. So it's all Neil Harris's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if only we'd have beaten Fulham. No, uh, that's oh, brilliant. Exactly. I'm glad. I, it sounds like uh, we hear it a lot, Michael, don't we? Once you've stepped in, it, it's hard not to get the Millwall bug. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. absolutely. And, 
Fantastic. Well, thank, thank, thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Michael, as well for for keeping company and, and leading us through this one, dipping into your yeah. memory lane and and you know reminiscing about the good old days. No, 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 indeed. That that was that was some great times, and um, and and I know I know a lot of the time for people who are going down there, they are. Uh, you were looking forward to the Sundays as, as much as the Saturdays. There were some great times. And, and Lee, as I said, as a Millwall fan, I'll thank you to you, uh, Lauren, you know, Ali when he was there, Julian, all, all, all your backroom staff and, and just, you know, for, for what you for what you gave Millwall over those couple of years, it was, it was fantastic times and one and one will always look back on fondly and then I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll always be welcome at Millwall, Lee. No, appreciate that and good luck to the, the Lionesses when, when football resumes and uh, again, I'm hoping they can get back to where they where they should be. Brilliant, and a big thank you to you, listener, for tuning in and and listening to the Acton Lionesses show. I hope you've enjoyed this look back and look forward with with Lee Birch. Hopefully, we'll be back soon, Michael, with some news of a, of a new season on the horizon. Whether however the league ends up, but for now, all that is left to say is bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.